Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi guys, welcome to Talking Trading. I'm financial journalist Caroline Stephen. We have a very interesting guest on the show for you today. It is my pleasure to introduce you to author and speaker Tom Corley. Tom Corley spent five years studying the daily activities of the rich and the poor. He wrote a book on his findings called Rich Habits, The Daily Success Habits of Wealthy Individuals. Tom also wrote Rich Kids and his latest book, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, looks at the specific habits that transformed individuals into self-made millionaires. Yes, I know I do have one of the best jobs in the world and it was a great pleasure to interview Tom. He appears regularly in the media and is a public speaker around the world. As he mentions in this interview, he's personally shared the stage with the likes of Richard Branson and was recently at Wealth Retreat with Louise Bedford and Chris Tate. In this interview, we look at the habits that separate the rich from the poor, the typical day of a wealthy person, and how Richard Branson personally described his day to Tom. From his place in New Jersey, we welcome Tom Corley to the show. Tom Corley, speaker, author, all the way from New Jersey, America. Hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Let's get to the heart of your work. Tom, what are some of the habits that separate the rich from the poor? Well, one of the big habits that I, I discovered was surrounded reading. Uh, so what I found was 88% of the wealthy read 30 minutes or more every day to learn, you know, just to educate themselves. Primarily, the reading was related to their career their profession, their industry that they were in, uh, but they did it every day, every single day. And, and a lot of them read for an hour or more. Uh, and that, and you know, if you compare it to the poor, I think there was only 3% of the poor did the same thing. So 97% of the poor weren't doing any daily educational reading. And so that, that was the number one data point with the largest disparity, Caroline you know, between the rich and the poor. And, and that, that's when I realized, oh boy, I, I'm really onto something here. What, what was another quality? Well, they were really masters at building relationships, the wealthy. They did a couple of things to build their relationships. The hello call, the happy birthday call, and the life event call. The hello <laughs> call, you know, that's just like you and I having a conversation. How you doing, Caroline? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. For the wealthy they had a strategy to, to making those calls. It was to gather reconnaissance data. It was a reconnaissance mission. They wanted to gather data and information on their relationships because they knew intuitively that the more they, they understood about their relationships and their families, 
uh, the better the opportunity that they might be able to make money together in some way, shape, or form. A happy birthday call, that's an easy call to make because even um, people who don't know you that well, that you're trying to, trying to build a relationship with so you can do business with them one day, they'll appreciate the happy birthday call because honestly, Caroline, uh, you might be getting three or four of those calls a day. So if you think about it, you're one of three or four callers calling uh, that relationship and it just elevates you in their eyes and uh, you, you, know, you get put on, on center stage uh, just for a little while. And the happy birthday call, what I found is 25 to 30 percent of the time over the years, they'll, they'll reciprocate. So you, and that takes your uh, the happy birthday call, puts your relationship on life support. The reciprocal happy birthday call takes it off of life support. So now you get twice during the year that you get to talk to someone. And it has to be a phone call. It can't be a Facebook post. It can't be a, an email or a tweet or a text message. Th- those are efficient means of communication. We're not looking for efficient. We're looking for effective. Uh, effective in the, in the sense of, of gathering information and learning about your relationships. And the, the best and most important phone call is the, is the life event call. That grows the roots to your relationship tree very deep, very quickly. It's like putting your relationship on steroids. So if you have a baby, someone dies in the family, someone gets married, whatever the event, when you make that phone call, the only thing that that person's probably thinking about that day is the life event. And you just tapped into something that's like the happy birthday call that's very emotional-based. Emotions, I learned from my neurological research uh, relating to habits, emotions are the most powerful uh, mechanism by which we uh, form memories. So now you've just created in that relationship's mind a powerful memory and that, that they'll never forget because you were there during that life event. They'll remember you called them on that day. Unbelievable. Any other habit? Oh, sure. There, there's uh, so many of them. So you know, some of them relate to health. You might think, well, what does health have to do with making money? Well, I was interviewing uh, this individual who was 67 years old. He was worth about $17 million. And I asked him why he was still working. He can't possibly, possibly spend the money that he has. And he looked at me like I was from Mars. And he said, Tom, I literally have been waking up early every day for the last 40 years. <laughs> and exercising for 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day because in my mind I knew if I could stay healthy enough that I could work an extra four or five years, that would be the highest earning years of my career. So in his mind, he made about a million dollars a year. So in his mind, uh, that five or six million dollars extra, which after taxes about three million, that was important to him. So I, I said to him, I mean, what's the difference between, honestly, between 17 million and 20 million? He says, well, it's not about money. It's about my legacy. I, I now have the ability to give more money to my family so that maybe not only my grandchildren, but my great-grandchildren can get a good college education, which is something he never got. It was a big factor for him. I, he never had a college education because he was poor never had any money. His parents never had money. 
so he had to uh, grind it out in life, and he didn't want his kids to have to go through the same thing, he, or his grandkids or his great-grandkids. He wanted to give them a leg up in life because he knew that the people that had the best education were most likely to be the most successful in life. And he probably felt happier and more energetic for exercising every day. Uh, yeah, and, and I think it ties into the fact that he actually liked what he was doing for a living. So passion, which is like the third most important rich habit, and by passion I mean pursuing your dream. I call it dream setting. And, and that's what I found that the wealthy do. They, I think there was, uh, the statistic is 70% of the wealthy pursued a dream, something they were passionate about. And because they were pursuing something they were passionate about, they devoted more time to it every day, Caroline. You know, imagine you, you like doing something. You're gonna, whether it's work or not, you're going you're gonna to want to do it more and more. So I had opportunity to speak on the same stage as Richard Branson. And the, the speakers were, uh, he was the keynote speaker, and we were just, you know, all these subsidiary speakers. But the speakers had an opportunity, a private get-together with Richard Branson. And so we each were a, had had the ability to ask him one question. So my, I asked him, uh, Richard, I said, it's well known that you're a, a workaholic or it's well reported that you're a workaholic. And, and I said, do you consider what you do work? And he looked at me and he said, Tom, let me ask you a question. If, if I told you I played 14 hours a day, which is how many hours he works every day, if I told you I played 14 hours a day, what would you think of me? I, and I said, I would think you're just another wealthy individual, wealthy, lazy individual, you know, and spoiled. And he said, that's exactly how I feel because every day I go into work, I feel like I'm playing. I don't feel like I'm working. And, and I said, wow, you know, that's the key, Caroline, actually. I, I think w when I do a lot of these speaking engagements that I do, one of the things that I highlight as the most important factor not habit, but factor to being successful, is pursuing something that you're passionate about. Uh, only because all of the self-made millionaires did that, or most of them. And the interesting thing is the ones that were pursuing a dream, because not all of them pursued a dream. Like I said, 70% pursued a dream. But the ones that did pursue a dream, what I found out in my research was their average net worth was $7.4 which was $4 million high. $4 million higher than the average net worth of all the, all of the millionaires, which was $3.4 But more interesting than that was the fact that the ones that pursued their a dream, they amassed their wealth in 12 years versus 32 years. So pursuing a dream puts you on the fast track for wealth accumulation. The other thing I found was that a large percentage of the millionaires – uh, who had a mentor, and there were only 24% of the self-made millionaires that, that had a mentor in life. Mentors are, are sometimes hard to come by. So 24% had a mentor in life. But what was interesting to me was 93% of them said that they attributed all of their wealth to their mentors. Uh, and and what's, why is a mentor so important? Because a mentor takes the risk out of success. It means you don't have to go on the hook financially to be successful. You can simply learn all of the habits, all of the processes, all of the beliefs and the thinking 
of your mentor, who's mentors are typically successful, and then you can duplicate that and short track your path to success. So, like I said, not many of the millionaires found a mentor. Twenty four percent did, but boy, what a difference it made! And and I think, I think that that and your passion is the the secret sauce to success. If you can pursue something you're passionate about, find a mentor who can teach you what you need to know in order to be successful. I, I honestly believe you have a 100% chance of being successful. And we will have more from Tom Corley in his Habits of the Rich after this trading quote from Chris Tate. Chris Tate, what do you think about people who want to become a trading legend? Good luck with that. I think it falls into that classic sort of scenario where people say there are old traders and there are bold traders. There are no old bold traders. The issue being that the thing that should motivate most traders is fear, not greed. A good trader knows when to run away. Be fast, be nimble, protect yourself and get the heck out of, out of the trade at the first sign of trouble. Absolutely. Be one of those little, little chihuahuas. They're 50% aggression, 50% fear, and they sit there quaking like mad whenever they see anything. You need to be a trading chihuahua. Half aggression, half fear. And now back to Ridge Habits with Tom Corley. Tom, can you walk us through a typical day for a wealthy person? Sure. So what I found is that 44% of the wealthy wake up three hours or more before they actually begin their workday. Then they usually devote about 30 minutes or more to uh, some type of physical exercise. Typically, it was aerobic or cardio. And what was interesting about that was that I found out later in my uh, research on health and habits that uh, cardio is one of the best ways to increase your IQ. Unknowingly, I think, or maybe intuitively, these wealthy people were exercising aerobically, feeding their brains with oxygen. And then when they got in their car or when they got on the bus or when when they got on the train, uh, instead of listening to music, I found in my research that a lot of the self-made millionaires were listening to audiobooks. Now they have podcasts. When I was doing the research back in 04 to 08, there weren't a lot of podcasts going on back then. The the movement really took hold in 2012, 2013. So now they probably would be listening to podcasts uh, to learn something, something that relates to what they're doing for a living. Uh, And then when they would get to the office, here's the interesting thing. They would pull out their to-do list, which they typically prepared in the morning, they would tackle some of their key projects. They wouldn't, wouldn't even check an email. They wouldn't even look at their phone. They would spend a good two hours just focused on the projects that matter to them. Sometime around 11 o'clock, they, would, they had bl- blocked off time where they would check their email and they check their voicemail. Uh, and then a good percentage of them, I think it was close to 50%, networked during lunch. In other words... They were meeting with people. Uh, Some of them were actually doing speaking engagements at lunch. But they were doing something that was usually productive. And then when they got back to the office, they had the same regimen, two to three hours of of hardcore focused work, 
and then maybe an hour of checking their voicemail and their email. Uh, and then they would make phone calls in the afternoon when they, when they were getting tired. You know, you get that lull between 3 o'clock and uh, 4, 4 o'clock. They, when they were done with work, they tried to spend two to three nights a week at home with the family. That was a goal of theirs. Uh, but they also tried to spend two or three nights a week, I guess, networking and building relationships and helping uh, grow their, their financial wealth in some way, shape, or form you know, through relationship building. Uh, and then they would uh, finish up the night by usually if they read at night, they would read something that was entertainment related, you know, to kind of relax their mind and, or inspirational. And, and then uh, very few of them would watch TV. In fact, I found in my research that almost 80, I think 80% of the wealthy watched less than an hour of TV a day. So mm -hmm. there weren't big uh, TV hogs. And then they would go to bed typically at 10 o'clock and they'd get seven hours sleep. That was a big thing I found in my research, seven to eight hours of sleep. And they wake up and start the whole day all over again. How do wealthy people accumulate so much wealth? Well, there's, th there's really three ways. They, the, the first way is you live below your means. The second way is you expand your means. And the third way is you do both. And that's where the self-made millionaires really knocked it out of the park, the, the ones that were the wealthiest. They not only lived below their means, but they expanded their means. They had 65% of the self-made millionaires had three uh, streams of income. Mm. Right. So, and and I think forty four percent had four streams, and something like twenty twenty six percent had five streams. That you know they had these multiple streams of income that you know they were that were helping them become wealthy. So they're not relying on one stream of income. When one stream falters because the economy or you know whatever is going on in their world, in their business world, in their life. Uh, the other streams come to the rescue like knights on a, on a white horse. So they were constantly accumulating wealth. They weren't digging themselves into debt because they're, they got fired and their one stream dried up. They had these other streams that helped not only allow them to survive, but actually to help them continue to accumulate and save money. So uh, I think that was, you know, that was probably the most, one of the most significant discoveries that I made, this multiple stream of income that helped them continuously build income. So three key messages to leave us with, Tom. What key strategies or pieces of advice would you like to leave with our audience right now? You, you have to pursue a dream, something that you're passionate about. Uh, you have to read to grow every day. You have to read to educate yourself every day. And the third thing is you, there isn't a successful person that doesn't sell some product or service. You have to sell something. Uh, and in most cases, that means starting a business or a side business. You have to sell something. If you're not going to sell something, you're going to be working for somebody who is. Tom, where can people go to find copies of your books? Amazon is where most of my books get sold. iTunes. I even have audio books now on Amazon through their Audible, and those are actually selling almost as much as my regular books. And, of course, they can go to richhabits.net, my website, 
they can buy the books there. There are free ebooks that I offer, free re research reports. Uh, I have a tip of the morning to you that, that I put out every morning. I have a weekly uh, tip of the week video that I put out, and I have uh, blog articles, probably you know one a week. So there's a lot of information on the blog. If you if you don't have the money and can't afford to buy the books. Uh, just go on the blog. I put all of my research out in the blog. I I don't care that that I'm giving the you know the horse away, the milk away for free. Uh, I'm not, you know if I if I make money and become rich from helping others improve their lives, great. If if uh, I don't make any money, I know I'm still helping people. Tom Colley, it was a real pleasure to speak with you this morning. Thank you very much for coming on to Talking Training. Um, Thank you, Caroline. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. I really appreciate it. It's very kind of you. Stay tuned next week, guys, for the master of the markets and inventor of the Guppy Multiple Moving Average, Mr. Daryl Guppy himself. I'm Caroline Stephen. On behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.